This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Last week we looked at the principle of the tithe, and uh, I did just a, a summary and, and just tried to um, lay it out there where you could get a hold of it. And um, there, there's so much there, but we saw it was before the law, during the law, and after the law. That tithing is a principle that um, God has established. And it's for, uh, I believe we'll do it in heaven somehow. I don't know. But anyway, uh, as long as we're on this earth, I believe that uh, Jesus Christ personally receives our tithe. Because that's what the scriptures tell us. But I wanted to say this because I didn't say it last time, but God loves you whether you tithe or not. I want to make that clear. I know that I struggled with the tithe and I still knew that God loved me. I just didn't uh, understand enough that he would take care of me. And uh, I, I wanted to hang on to that, that money because I didn't have enough to start with. Amen. And so I went through that until I got a revelation. And, and so God loves you, and he's not judging you. He's not against you. He's not angry at you. He's not causing things to happen, break down your house because you're not tithing. Uh, he's not into any of that. Amen? I, I will say this. If you're not tithing, you're, a scriptural term would be your ignorant maybe that's not we'd probably say stupid maybe I'd, I'd say you're, you're dumb maybe I should just leave that alone I, uh, my, you need a, a revelation and it, we're all at different places and you need a revelation uh, of what the word says okay my joke didn't go over and I'm okay I'm just I'm digging, digging a hole here. Okay. I mean, I should look at my benefits of tithing. Yes. We talked about the benefits just a little bit. I just barely uh, touched the surface. We, we talked about, um, I thought it was really cool at the end of the service, we saw a demonstration of the legacy of the tithe affecting generations when... Um, Shauna's uh, grandfather that had actually, because he was a tither and a giver, had actually funded uh, my grandkids their college. I mean, that's a blessing. That, that's being passed down. Now, each generation has to pick it up, but it builds, and you don't want to drop it. But the best thing that you can do for your kids is be a tither. Levi was accounted of tithing before Levi was around. My grandkids don't know this grandfather, never knew him. And yet his influence and legacy still reaching down. Uh, another thing I was thinking about this morning, just one of the benefits we were talking about, make room. One of the benefits is you make out a place for God. And it actually says you dig a hole for God to fill. You mark yourself as one to be blessed when you're a tither. It's in there. 
But we don't have time for that, to get into all that, all the... But there's so many benefits, benedictions, conclusions. Uh, tithers get God finishes. Things get completed. How many like completion? Hmm. Be a tither. So we looked at last uh, week how Jesus endorsed the tithe in uh, Matthew 23, 23. And then in Hebrews 7, 8, we saw that Jesus receives the tithe. We saw that that's present tense, and it means it currently is in place. And then he, he said to him who was dead and is now alive, he, he was resurrected, and it's talking about the church age, talking about this time, that Jesus receives our tithe. Men take it up, but he receives it. And when he receives it, it's a holy thing, sacred thing to him. It's us demonstrating with something in this natural realm that we have to have to live on that we trust him above that I, l I love what elder Zach was saying you know things aren't going the way you won't plant seed boy that is just giving the devil a, a huge slap because I'm trusting you anyway I know that your word is true and it is God believes the Bible he believes his word I mean, God actually believes this stuff. And if he says he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you. Amen. Well, there's one other verse uh, I thought about this week, Romans 2.20. And I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified. You who say not to commit adultery, do not commit adultery. You unchaste in action or in thought. You abhor and loathe idols. Do you rob temples? Do you appropriate to your own use? was consecrated to God, thus robbing the sanctuary and doing sacrilege. So this, when I, I looked it up, just the, the history around this, it was a common occurrence that people were not giving their tithe then. They were using it. It was consecrated. It said the tithe belongs to God, but they were using it for their own selves. And, and Paul, being nice like he is, he's saying, you're robbing the temples. Because it wasn't, it wasn't like Jesus needs our money. He receives our faith. We need to be blessed. And who needs the money is the church. It costs money for the lights to come on. How many have, have owned a place that you realize there's a bill that comes monthly for utilities? There's things that have to be repaired. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a new house. I'm finding things that have to be repaired. What? Now, it's nicer. It's still got the new house smell. But, but it's not perfect. Amen? Things have to be repaired and have to be taken care of. And it costs money. And we have other plans. We, we want to reach and influence more. And when people step their bodies in this place, it's a reflection of who we are. So we want to be nice. We want to have the best and be able to present the gospel because that's really what it's about, reaching people. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it said, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. And try me now in this. 
One of the things I bring up last week, it says bring all your tithes. It's with an S. And it's not to be a one-time occurrence. I'm going to tithe once and see what happens. Now, this is a lifestyle. This is a continually giving and trusting God as your source. So you do it all the time. But it says, bring the, all the tithes into the storehouse. This means every time we tithe, we're to bring it to the same place. And that, be, that place is where you're planted in the house of God. Where if you are in trouble, you call pastor or elders. You, you need comfort. You need prayer. You need a wedding. <laughs> a funeral. Who are you going to call? Well, I want to send my tie to the TV minister. You can't call him to do your funeral. One thing, you're dead. No, I'm kidding. Your family can't call him. I like that. Bear my joke. Okay. But y'all did not. But you know my sense of humor. So in Malachi, the storehouse would be the local church where you're planted place of fellowship, community, where support, prayer, where you get married, they bury you, support you in crisis. And you look at church history, that's what shows the local temple received tithes to pay for the ministers and ministry of the temple. Out of the church came offerings to them, uh, apostles, the evangelists, the, the prophets, the teachers. And I remember teaching this one time, and a person came to me and said, I feel so far sorry for the traveling minister. I said, don't feel sorry. They go to all the churches. The ones I know are making a lot and are greatly blessed. This is the way God set it up. And then I saw a stat that 95% of those supporting the other ministries are tithers to their church. What? Kind of, what? 95% of the support for the TV minister, the traveling minister, the teacher, the missionary, the evangelist, the prophet is from those that are tithing to their local church where they're planted. Why? They have a revelation of giving. They've got the revelation. I love to give. It becomes a joy. Amen? Jesus, I, he must believe this. He said it's more blessed to give than receive. You know, there's something about giving that it's more blessed than receiving. Now we need to receive. <laughs> but isn't it fun to give? Three of us, okay. Somebody said, why, why isn't there more stuff? Well, there's plenty of stuff to me, but the things that came through the cross that changed are explained in the New Testament. Sacrifices changes. There's one sacrifice now. The priesthood changes. There's a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ. 
things that came through the cross unchanged. New Testament says little about it, like praise and worship. You see, most teaching on praise and worship comes from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. It's fully explained there. Why? Why in the New Testament? Because God said, I still want all the instruments. I still want it like then. Amen. What about the tithe? The tithe was explained. Jesus inferred in, in Hebrews 5, 6, 7, that it's after the order of Melchizedek where Abraham gave, not our command, but our love and appreciation for his God. And that's where we're at. It's not a legalistic requirement. It's something I get to do. I get to honor my king. I get to bless the one who saved me. I get to give him all the honor and glory as my source. When he saved me, he had a job to do. There was a lot that needed to be cleaned up. I don't know about you. But he did it. And the process of renewing my mind started taking place. And But then I'll see somebody on TV, a TV minister. You've got to give on this certain feast day. You've got to go out and get a bag over your head and twirl it around. <laughs> Just kidding. You've got to do a wave offering. You've got to do these seven different things for God to see and honor your offering. It's Old Testament. Now, if you want to go out and slaughter a lamb, go ahead. Don't tell my wife about it. I'd greatly appreciate that. God had her living for such a time as this. Old Testament, I, we probably would have had to just take her out. You know, <laughs> you're going home to Jesus. <laughs> Don't slaughter that lamb. <laughs> Never. She's in the back. Don't tell her about that. Okay. So I got to thinking about why this guy wants to prosper because I, I heard this. How many have ever heard a, a TED Talk, this TED Talk thing? And it said the most motivating thing to a person is the why. The why behind what you do. And they, they even said it, you know, to, to work out they found that, that people had to mentally have in them the why behind it. And you've got to have this established to, to carry it on. So I've got to think, why does God want to bless us, want us to prosper? Why? So I, I, I put down four things. Number one, God loves us. And you think about this. One of the reasons, or the main reason, I thought in the past was God wanted to prosper or bless us where we could fund the gospel. But I believe the main reason is because he loves us. The other's true, but he wants to bless us because he loves us. Now, how many in here know that when you love someone, you want to bless them? Can you imagine loving someone and saying, 
I just, I feel awkward trying to bless you and I just, no, not going to do it. But I love you. It doesn't work that way. God so loved the world they gave. Love gives. It just can't help it. Love is a giver. Love gives. And I believe that God loves us. You got to think about Adam. He was blessed before there was a gospel to preach. God was Jehovah Jireh before there was a gospel to preach. Our provider. What a provider we have. Say, I'm provided for. See, every father, every good father, good dad wants to protect, provide, and bless his family. It's ingrained in us guys. I'm not saying it's not the ladies, but man, we want to bless our families. It's in us. We were created that way. But what about the good, good father? What about when, if a son asks for bread, will father give him a stone? Says, you being carnal or evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? How much more will your heavenly father give those things to those that ask? Matthew 7. How much more? He wants to bless us because he loves us. So 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives, rich, gives us richly all things to enjoy. Aren't you glad you get to enjoy some things? It, it didn't say love. <laughs> no, saying enjoy them. Enjoy them. It says, command those who are haughty or, or high-minded. Those that treat people differently because maybe they have a, a bigger house, bigger car, or, or whatever. And they, they treat people different like they're better than. He said, command those that are rich not to be haughty. Not to be high-minded towards other people. See, there's all kinds of things when you talk about giving the, the heart. Where's your heart? Motivation is, is a part of it. And says not to trust. Command those who are rich not to trust in uncertain riches. Now, in case you don't know it, we're, we're all rich in the United States. If you go overseas, you take a mission trip. You realize we're all rich here. We're all blessed. But we're not to put our trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. In the living God. Put your trust in Him. That He gives us richly all things to enjoy. In Psalms 37, verse 35 verse 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified 
who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. He has pleasure in our prosperity. And you look that word up, it means he's delighted in our prosperity. He takes delight in us being blessed. He loves to bless us. He's in love with us. I believe we need to be totally convinced of his great love and his desire to bless us in order to really step into what God has for us. That's the why behind prospering and being blessed. Just because we're loved by God. And he wants to. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. So God gives us power to gain wealth or to prosper. And he's telling us what to do with that wealth. He said to establish his covenant. So that's where I say wealth with a godly purpose. It's, it's wealth without God is without purpose leads to a dangerous area to greed and temptation and all kinds of things that happen. But on the surface, it, you read the scripture, it seems like God is saying, I'm going to empower you to get wealth where I can establish my covenant. So that sounds like that his goal is for us to prosper where we can fund the gospel. And like I said, that is a part of it. Now, I don't believe it's the main thing. But this verse didn't seem to fit that until you go a little deeper and you look at this what it's talking about. You've got to go back and look at the covenant. I've heard people say, I've heard preachers say, the only reason God wants to bless you is to minister the gospel, to preach the gospel. It's just not not true. It's partially, but not completely. In Genesis chapter 12, verse um, 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Gal, your country... From your family, from your father's house, to a lamb that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And then you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. Wow. So, do you see what he's saying here? In, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, he who gives the power to get well, that he may establish his covenant, they swore to his fathers. See, that's the key. He swore to Abraham. He's fulfilling and establishing his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that covenant, the first part was to bless you. So I'm prospering you to bless you because I love you and I'm for you, not against you. And you're trusting me as your source and I'm a great provider. See, that's the first part. But then the second part said, and I will make you a blessing. See, there's no biblical principle where you just give to get and that's it. You give, you get, and you give again, you get again, and the process continues. 
We're to be givers. We're to be like him. Giving. So number two, so God wants to prosper you firstly to bless you. Number two, you're to be a blessing. And we just talked about that. You are to be a blessing. God expected Abraham after being blessed to be a blessing to others. And this isn't a get rich scheme. You know, you don't tithe and then give an offering and, you know. You don't plant a seed and then you come out the next day looking for a tree. It's a process. It includes work. It includes diligence. It includes wisdom, understanding, budgeting. Delayed gratification. Oh, saying some mean words now. I like my microwave, and I find myself getting impatient at the drive-through window. That's and it's it's moving, but what's wrong with them? They're taking too long. It's not that way in the kingdom of God. It's a relationship. It's a lifestyle. In 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Say, in all things. That pretty well covers it, doesn't it? In all things. In your marriage, you're to prosper. You're to prosper in your parenting. You're to prosper socially. You're to prosper mentally, physically spiritually, financially, all the areas where the prosper in. In all things is the will of God that we prosper in. We're talking about money today, but I'm, I'm telling you the prosperity of God is a lot more than that. The blessings of God go way beyond what money can provide what money can buy way beyond it notice here it's saying as your soul prospers talking about renewing the mind you've got to prosper or you will prosper in proportion to your soul prospering we gotta get in the word and see what God says and do what he says his way is better I mean, I was at the point, it had to be better than mine. Because mine just wasn't working at all. His way is better. And don't then try to redefine what he's saying. Just do what he says. See his will and get in you. He wants us to have abundant life. The word prosper here, I looked it up in Strong's. To, su- to succeed in reaching. In reaching what? Your goals and dreams. To succeed in reaching what you're reaching for. To prosper is to succeed in that. Succeed in business affairs. I put down, Abraham was not a preacher. He was a businessman. In fact, a lot of people that we read about in the Bible weren't preachers. They were business people. God wants to bless you in business. 
to promote. Promotion is prosperity. To help on the road. I like that. To help on the road. In your journey of life, who are you helping? Who are you blessing? That's prosperity. Oh, God, prosper me. And he's saying, help someone on the road. Help someone. Bless someone. Be a blessing. Number three, meet the needs of the household of God. In 1 John 3, verse 17, if someone has enough money to live well, sees his brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Galatians 6, 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Then message by them all like it. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Man, this church family, and I have to say, we have a loving, giving church family, but man, we, we're to have each other's back. Amen? We take care of the family first, and then we bless others. I mean, no, it's hard to be a blessing if you're in need and but you can offer some service and some prayer. You can do. I was, I was so without. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't have anything to give. And I heard this, this man had said that he was in the same place. I was listening to him. He said he was in the same place. He took a pencil out. And he put it in the envelope. And he gave it. It's just a pencil they took off a chair. I said, Lord, I'm at home. I don't have no, what do I give? I'm not going to send the pencil. <laughs> and he said, you got blood. Wow. And I want you to know, it started me giving blood. I gave a lot of blood for a while. And I thought, man, and there's life in the blood. I I'm giving life. It's kind of cool. I have to admit, I did check out and say, is there anybody paying money for blood? <laughs> now I'll go, no, sir. No, sir. It's all volunteer. Oh, okay. I thought I heard that somewhere. <laughs> so I started giving. But you know, he gives seed to the sower. And he started giving me seed to give. I had a conference I wanted to go to. It's a men's conference. Fed Cole. I said, Lord, I want to go to this conference. He said, ask me for it. I said, okay, I asked him for it. Nothing. It's the morning I'm supposed to go to that conference. I got up early, got dressed. I go out to my truck. I'm going to the conference, and I'm thinking, well, maybe he's going to have somebody at the door, you know, or something. I get in my truck, I unlock it, I get in, and I, I notice beside me there's an envelope 
So I open it up, and there is the money for the conference. Now, I hounded Ellen. I said, did you put that there? Who put that there? You know who put that there? No, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have no clue. I said, well, the door was locked. Someone had to, no, don't know. So it was an angel or someone who knew how to break in my truck. <laughs> but it was provided for. Amen. And I found that God provides. And God will bless. Number four, giving to the poor. And I always believe giving to the poor should be connected to the gospel. You know, if you're giving, say, this is God's goodness. Or, you know, get something in there with God. Don't just, you know, yeah, I just, I just wanted to buy you some groceries. You know, say, as a blessing. You know, try and connect it to the gospel. In a real sense, giving to the poor is those poor in spirit that don't know Christ is also connected with that. But there's a lot of scripture. Psalms 41, 1, blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. And I love this in Acts 10, 1. It's Cornelius when the angel came to him. Remember the Italian guy who prayed and gave alms, said the angel answered your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, God's our respecter of person. I believe we all have memorials up in heaven of our giving here on this earth. I mean, want theirs to be big. <laughs> you know, we have two accounts, an earthly account, a heavenly account. Here's the deal. The heavenly account is more important than the earthly one because it's investment for eternity. None of us are going to get to heaven and go, I knew I shouldn't have given so much. What's the matter, Bob? I just saw my mansion, you know. I was a little disappointed. No, God knows the desires of my heart that I don't even know. You can take me to a furniture store. I don't know what I want. He knows what I want. And it's perfect. Now, I've read where people have gone to heaven, and, you know, we can't teach us everything, but they got to go in their mansion. They sat on the furniture, and they never moved again. You know how you sit down in a chair and, you, and you're moving around looking for the comfort? There it is. No, that's not it. Uh, there it is. Said so they sat down once and they never moved again. Said so comfort engulfed them. Are you comfortable? Okay. I love that. Proverbs 28. Um, 27, he who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Not cursed by God. You know, God is a, a righteous God. And I had someone tell me this a few years back, but I was ministering on grace, and they said they didn't have to be a tither or give offerings because of grace. 
So grace empowers you to do the word. But here's the deal. God is a righteous God. It would have been unrighteous for God to forgive our sins in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, before Jesus paid the price. So we had to have sacrifices, all these shadows of Jesus and his sacrifice. Now, after the cross, it would be unrighteous for God not to forgive you of your sins because of the cross. But can you tell me that a righteous God is going to take a person who does not tithe, does not give offerings, and bless them the same way he would a tither and one giving offerings? He'd be unrighteous. He'd be unrighteous to do that. John 13, 29. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. Jesus gave to the poor his ministry. Enemy doesn't want the kingdom of God to be financed. He's doing a pretty good job of it. Less than 10% of the body of Christ died. Because of fear. And it's a spirit that attacks us. And mammon is that spirit. It's an antichrist spirit. In Matthew 6 verse 24. No, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one. Love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one. Despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And we saw mammon is a false god of wealth. Mammon uh, says he will... Cause money to bring every, your heart's desires, everything that you need, could ever want. Security, significance, all yours by trusting in money. It's a concept, mammon came from the Babylonians. Remember Babylon where they built the Tower of Babel? And it was a spirit of being self-sufficient, no need of God. Self-sufficient. And it's all rooted in that, that man doesn't need God. So money that is submitted to God has his spirit on it, his, his purpose, and he can multiply it. You give the tithe, the ground is blessed for the seed, and you can get your offering multiplied. Give to God first, and God will bless the rest. Jimmy Evans put it this way. He said, mammon promises things that only God can give, security, significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. And see, that's the spirit that's in the world. There's many that put their trust in money. There's people that are broke who put their trust in money. Mammon and God compete for your love and loyalty. Money's not the root of all evil. What is it? The love of money is the root of all evil. So you have this spirit. And the reason I say it's an antichrist spirit, we think antichrist means the opposite. You know, Christ is holy. Antichrist is unholy. But really, it's, it's deeper than that what this actually means. Antichrist means a substitute or in place of. Antichrist's spirit is a counterfeit Jesus. 
That's what mammon is, an antichrist spirit. It counterfeits what only God can do for you. Christ says, trust me and be blessed. Antichrist says, trust me and you will be blessed. Antichrist says, put your trust in money and be secure. Christ says, don't put your trust in uncertain riches, but put your trust in the living God, and you will be secure, and you will be blessed. They are competing against each other. Revelations 13, 15, the beast uh, there demands a mark in the hand of the forehead to what? Buy or sell. It's the spirit of mammon controlling things. The Antichrist uh, spirit manipulates you to get you to serve. The true and the living God invites you, invites you to serve and trust him. The Antichrist spirit demands that you serve him. Manipulates and pressures you to serve mammon, the Antichrist spirit. Jesus told us you cannot serve God and mammon. There's no middle ground. We choose. Two ways that God's kingdom is to be financed. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor here means it's an action verb, and it means we have to do something. And it means to glorify or to promote, to honor the Lord with your possessions. So the first thing, it talks about the first fruits of all your increase. That's the tithe, the first fruits. You give that. But then it said, honor the Lord with your possessions. That's the 90%. That's your wealth. That's what you possess. You're to honor the Lord by giving your tithe and giving of your possessions, offering. So the kingdom of God is to be financed through tithes and offerings. And it's seed time and harvest. So every time that you give a tithe and give an offering, you're honoring God. You're bringing him glory. And you're promoting the cause of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 9, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly in response to pressure. I've seen that so many times. Response to pressure. When I first started pastoring, there was a few times I forgot to take up the tithe and offering. Because I was so turned off by seeing pressurized manipulation the, the body of Christ to, to give. Yet it was against the scriptures. And, and ministers would do it all the time. It would be a sob story. There will be, we're going under, we're not going to make it. All these different things will be said and the reason why they do that is it works. They have found out that it works. So instead of the body of Christ being wise, they, they, they see that 
and don't discern. They're feeling pressurized. They're manipulated to give. But we're not to be pressured into this. How can you be? Well, let me read the next verse or the rest of that verse. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You don't give cheerfully that way. Why do I give cheerfully? Because I know he's going to meet my need. I'm going to have plenty left over to give to others. I can give cheerfully because I have that revelation that he's going to take care of me. Well, pastor, how do I know that I have the revelation? You give cheerfully. Now, you might, in the beginning, I mean, when I first started tithing, it wasn't a whole lot of cheerfulness there. I just knew it was the right thing to do, and I'm just going to do it. I have to be honest, it wasn't a smile on my face. First time I gave uh, a, a big offering, I heard the Lord say it to me. And I, was, uh, I turned to Ellen and she said yes. And I, <laughs> I, I, I gave it and I was tempted and hounded all the way home. You need to call the pastor. You made a mistake. Pastor, I'm so sorry. I, you know, my hand slipped. I, I wrote that check. I, I don't know what came over me. Would you please rip that check up? And I just, I felt the Lord said, praise me. So I just said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm almost, almost blaming him, you know. <laughs> you said do it. What am I? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This had to be a mistake. It had to, I didn't hear you right. He said, keep praising me. I was praising, and peace started to come on me. And by the time I got home, I said, well, I don't, I don't think I'm going to call the pastor. Woke up that night, sweat. <laughs> What's on my mind? That check I just wrote. It's pounding in my head. Just being honest, I'm <laughs> And I remembered praising. Jesus, I worship you. Thank you for supplying my need. <laughs> Peace came. Next morning I woke up. And cheerfulness started to, started to come on me. That's on the hand of God. And God will do some things in the beginning for you. You know, we say the tree doesn't. The tree isn't coming up the next day, but he'll do some next day things for you almost just to help you. Any good? Okay, I need to get my thing back on. Well, in closing, you have an opportunity to respond to God's word. You know, we talked about a tither, a 90-day challenge, put God to the test. He said, prove me. And, and really when that, that word prove me is in some very strong language, prove me. It's like, try me. It would be like us saying, I double dog dare you. Try me in this. Put me to the test. Prove me. That's the way the, the language is there. He said, prove me. If I'll not do what I said I'd do. 
and then progressive giver giving above the tithe. We ask you to, to, to pray, what would God, see it takes intentionality to go above being just a tither to be, tap into that giver. Let's all stand up. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, this is the first step. He loves you. He died for you. He paid the price for your sins, your guilt. Every place you've ever messed it, messed up, he paid the price for it. He loved you so much that he came and died on the cross. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came, God in the flesh. And he paid the price for each of us that we could be a son or daughter of God. And it's a choice. That's you today. You've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today's your day. Today's the day of salvation. God will give you a brand new start, a brand new heart. He will give you a brand new spirit he's inviting you to be a part of his family that's you if you just lift your hand we're going to pray together and those watching online you pray along with us and you can fill out uh, a card there online and say I made Jesus Christ the Lord of my life would love to contact you and get some things in your hand Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, I thank you for Jesus Christ, your son that you sent to die on the cross. He paid for my, my debt. He took my guilt, my shame, my fears. He did it all for me. He even took sickness and disease. I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I believe he was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of Father God. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to live this life. Now quickly, if you want, to be a giver and you you make a one time decision I'm going to be a giver I'm going to give above the tithe and you make that decision daily actually when opportunities come but we want to invite you to take a step give a percentage above we ask you to, to give that offering here a progressive giver be intentional you're giving and watch what God will do that's where the 30, 60 100 fold multiplication comes into place so if you want to be a giver or if you are a giver just lift your hands Father I thank you for the givers in this place I thank you for the giving hearts I thank you God that you increase our giving that Lord you show us where to give how to give 
We want to take the limits off of you. We want to give more and more. We want to we want to see the lost saved. We want to be a blessing. We want to carry you along the road of life and bless those that we come across. We want others to see you in us that the life of Jesus and the light of God would shine forth in us and others would see and know that you're a good, good father, a good God and you're for us and not against us. Thank you for opportunities. Thank you for divine decisions that are being made now to tap into offerings. Lord, speak to hearts. Have your way. We surrender and make room for you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.